live from our studio in Babson Park, Massachusetts, it's the Fred Obie Show, where we unpack history to positively impact the future. I am Fred Opie, your host. Thanks for joining us live or listening to the podcast. As a food historian, when I think of sugar, I think of slavery in places such as Louisiana, Florida, Cuba, and Brazil, to name a few in regions of the Americas. The demand for sugar led to massive demographic changes in Africa and the Americas. Sugar is a topic that anthropologist Sidney Mintz has studied and written about in his book, Sweetness and Power. It's an excellent book on the topic that will change the way you look at candy and other sweeteners. Similarly, in my book, Hog and Hominy, I in part look at the question, what role does food play in the Atlantic slave trade? If you were on the west coast of Africa and you were a merchant or if you were a farmer, you could have gotten filthy rich because of the needs of the slave ships for just providing basic supplies, water, food. I mean, there's so many things that were involved there. So if you were in the shipping industry, you made a ton of money. If you were a supplier, you made a ton of money. If you worked in operations, distribution chains, you made a ton of money. Preserving meat for that voyage. Most of the voyages lasted three months. So anybody involved in any of these things that you see listed here, they made a lot of money. Dock workers. There was such a demand for loading and unloading ships that it became a very profitable, unskilled job that one could see. Cooks. There were cooks that worked on these slave ships. There were cooks that provided food along the coast of Africa where the slave forts were actually constructed. And you had to provide food for not only people taken into captivity, but those who were doing the catching and those who were guarding the slaves. All of them needed food, and you could make a lot of money. Cookware, just the, the, the process of making these pots and pans to keep this economy going. And in this industry, slavery was an industry. People don't necessarily like to think about it. All these things were valuable ways to make money during the Atlantic slave trade. The number of people put on these ships was something like 300, 400 people. A quarter or more of each shipment, people died on that middle passage. Died of all kinds of diseases, starvation, all kinds of things. So when I asked the question, what role the food play in the slave trade, it's the role it plays on the African coast. It's a role that it plays on those slave ships, keeping people alive. It's critical. And people who were involved in the slave trade knew that for every surviving person on that ship, they were going to make money. So they could not afford not to keep these people alive without spending extra money to do so. So they had to study the eating habits of the people they took into captivity and give them something somewhat similar to what they would be used to eating, but at an inexpensive cost. Some of the things that people would eat on those voyages, both the crew as well as the people who were enslaved, biscuits, plantains, yams, all kinds of meat, meat from all kinds of different uh, animals that are indigenous to Africa. The amount of water, 34,000 gallons of water. That's incredible to think about it. And what they would do is they would put uh, the coal in that, pieces of coal in that, each one of these wooden barrels full of uh, water to keep the, the water uh, potable so you could actually drink it. What role did Africans play in the food systems? Here's advertisement for the sale of slaves, and notice that it's advertising slaves from the 
Rice Coast, and these are indigenous people. These are enslaved people who will be settling in Low Country, Georgia, and the Carolinas, South Carolina, where the rice industry flourished and made a lot of planters very rich. Here is a rice field in Low Country, Georgia, or South Carolina, and I want you to notice the tools that the people are using to cultivate the rice. This is a long-handled um, a hoe, which is indigenous to Africa. You would never see one of these particular type of hoes before 16, 19, 16, 28. You would never see this in Europe. It's what Africans used to grow rice. So they introduced rice growing technology into the Americas, into low country Georgia and South Carolina, including this particular type of hoe. What role did Africans play in the food systems? They are the ones who cultivated the gardens, maintained the gardens that fed uh, most of the colonial citizens that came from Europe here. So that's a very important part of how people survived off the food produced and sold by planters, but food that also Africans grew in their own gardens as a way of supplementing their rations. Not only did they supplement their rations, but they raised enough that on market days, which were typically Sundays when they had no work to do, it was that Sabbath day that you would see throughout North America and local urban areas, slave markets where enslaved people would sell their goods, particularly food and animals that they would grow like pigs and chicken. They had enslaved people supplement their rations, chickens and pigs, which were some of the things that they grew to subsidize their diet and also to make additional capital. Hunting at night, hunting for squirrel and making all kinds of dishes from squirrels, hunting rabbits. It's, a, it's amazing to me just how many rabbits I have around my house in Natick. If we were in the South, you would not see the kind of rabbit population here because people still eat rabbit in other parts, and they eat it just like fried chicken. It's a darker meat. It's a little more gamey, but it is eaten regularly in many parts of the South and in parts of the world. An opossum, it's a night creature. Uh, one of the creatures that enslaved people would hunt at nighttime and consume to obtain the necessary protein. Raccoon, or as people would call them, coons. Another animal that was hunted, a guinea fowl type of uh, poultry. Special occasion days in which uh, enslaved people would get together and they would have all kinds of music and merriment and eat really good food. On, during the holidays, particularly, they had access to things like sugar and flour that they would not necessarily receive as rations. Culinary entrepreneurship, pre-war period. So you're talking 1800s all the way up to 1865. Both free and enslaved people who made money selling stewed hot oysters, they would go from business to business, house to house. 1800 uh, Philadelphia selling pepper pot which is a spicy stew. Again, somebody would go door to door, set up spot, and maybe this would be the first stage of accumulating capital to then build a brick and mortar place. We also know in the sources I talk about in my work that women, more so than men, would gain the money necessary to purchase their manumission or their freedom. Much of that money would have been earned by the sale of, of food. Why would enslaved people, even free black people, why would they turn to the culinary industry to gain extra money? Jessica Harris talks about this. What is it about? Is it about stereotypes? Why would they turn to selling things like 
oysters in pepper pot. Why would that be the most advantageous startup, as it were, for a person during that time? It's because the startup cost for preparing food and selling food is very low. The overhead and all those involved in starting a business, it's very inexpensive with food. You will see this all over the world. The first entrepreneurs on the scene are usually people selling food because it's inexpensive. It's also one of the things involved with women is that if you have children, you can provide child care at your street vending you know, location and what you're doing. But it's always one of those things. Notice when you travel, whether it's to different parts of the United States or different parts of the world, how many food vendors you will see in urban setting, and the majority of them being women because of the startup cost. Dolceros, which are women who sold these sweet type of pastries and candies, and they would walk around, got her baby on her back, so she's able to do her work as well as child care. She could be free or she could be enslaved. We don't know. But it was a common way for people to make money. For more on this topic or other topics in food history, visit my website at fredopi.com and go to the Foodways page. You can look up topics and historic recipes using the site's search engine. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap for this show. Thanks for listening. To hear more content like it, go to fredopi.com. If you have questions about advertising and sponsoring this show, contact us at fdopie at gmail.com. That's fdopie at gmail.com.